I do like, though, even though, you know, every one of you have your own belief system of pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, or whatever, um, I'm trying not to, even though I've covered why I believe it's, we're pre-trib, and, and I'll lay that out, and I'm thinking about preaching on this because it's like, people need to understand this stuff, and, uh, and so, uh, you, you, but you have your own little whatever. I like to read other views. I was reading today, and I'm going, you know, looking at the, the four horsemen is like, okay, the white horse, and we'll get into that tonight too, but there's a lot of commentary writers that totally disagree with what I'm going to teach you tonight as far as, you know, what I believe is the truth. And, and so, um, and I also said at the beginning, none of us here has every question answered. I mean, we don't have it all figured out yet. And, and so we're, we're still learning, we're still growing, we're still going through this. But that all being said, now, we're going to, uh, I'm going to do a little introduction, then I'll read the entire chapter of chapter 6 of Revelation. And then we're going to get into Daniel's 77s. Talking about that a little bit too. Just by way of introduction, how many know that hard times invite hard rulers? A little illustration. Life was difficult in Germany in 1919. World War I was over. Germany had little gold in the treasury. Her debts were great. The economy fell downward like a plane falling from the sky. Now, we all know that every country has a unit of money. Mexico has a peso. Japan, the yen. England uses the pound. America, the dollar. Well, Germany uses the mark. Check this out. In 1919, a person could trade four marks for one dollar. Four marks for one dollar. By 1923, four years later, it took four trillion marks to trade for one dollar. Imagine trying to collect four trillion of anything. It's almost impossible. It is possible. Well, people were desperate. That's when Adolf Hitler appeared. He was a hard man who claimed to have answers to the problems. He reminds us of the communist leader, Stalin. He murdered 35 million Russians, while Hitler murdered 6 million Jews. The German people accepted him because he promised to help them. Lenin, a communist leader, said, The surest way to overthrow a society is to destroy the value of their money. Are you listening? All right. A person who is drowning will accept a rope from anyone. Likewise, likewise, the Antichrist will enter human history during a time of trouble. He will provide temporary solutions to people's problems. We're going to see tonight he's going to come on as a man of peace, making peace and making this accord. Uh, but, but in the end, he will make Hitler and Stalin look kind. Now, you recall in the first five chapters in Revelation chapter 1, we had the introduction and, and really John's vision of Christ. In chapters 2 and 3, we had the seven letters of Jesus to the seven churches in Asia Minor. Chapter 4, we, we envision God, it's God on his throne, and, 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 uh, and, the, and the celebration and the praise and the worship that goes on. In Revelation chapter 5, it's the exalted uh, lamb who was slain. Well, then we move into chapter 6 tonight, and chapters 6 through 18 uh, really cover the seven years of tribulation. The prophet Daniel wrote about these things, about these seven terrible years, and we're going to compare a lot of his writings in his study as well. But uh, recall that Daniel lived in a time when Jerusalem was in ruins. Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Judah in, in 586 B.C., 
Daniel and the others were taken as captive, uh, captives to Babylon. Jeremiah had prophesied that this captivity would last for 70 years, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. Near the end of this 70 years, Daniel was praying, and he asked God to remember the ruined temple in Jerusalem and to have mercy on the Jews. You can read about that in Daniel 9, 1 through 19. Suddenly, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, appeared to Daniel, and he explained several things about the future to, uh, of Daniel's people. Uh, Jerusalem would be rebuilt again. God delivered the Jews from the Babylon after 70 years. But Gabriel said a period of seven, 70 times 7 remained for the Jews. And that's what we're going to look at, begin with here. But, and we're going to study the seven weeks carefully. I want to, first of all, go over this before we look at the seals because I want us to get kind of a mindset of what's going to happen in Revelation 6 through 18 in these seven years of tribulation. Uh, three and a half years, three and a half years. So we have, I gave you a chart on the bottom of page one that we'll be looking at. Uh, Lauren, if you want to go ahead and put that up on the PowerPoint as well. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Revelation 6 in a moment, but I want to first of all talk about Daniel's 77s. Uh, how many of you uh, know beyond a shadow of a doubt what I'm talking about? You're, you're familiar with Dan, Daniel's 77s? I know you are because you've taught this and you probably taught this and, and some of you. How many, you know, you know what it is, okay? How many don't know and want to know more about this? A few of you do, all right. The rest of you that didn't raise your hands, are you awake? Are you here? We're good. We're going. But uh, Daniel, let's turn to Daniel chapter 9, looking at 24 through 27, first of all. I'm going to walk you through some things here. I have prepared for you um, notes from, so I wouldn't take time to read it all, from the complete, or excuse me, from the Full Life Study Bible, the Fire Bible notes on, on the verses that I'm going to read to you. But first of all, Daniel chapter 9, 24 through 27. 77s are decreed for your people in your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision, uh, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. No one understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble, after sixty-two sevens, verse 26, the anointed one will be cut off speaking of the Messiah being killed, crucified, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many, 4-1-7. In the middle of the seven, in other words, three and a half years, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering and on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. How many have no idea what I just read? <laughs> all right. <laughs> and that's okay. But let me walk you through that. Uh, first of all, if I could have you help me, Dennis, just pass those around. Give one. This is the right one. This is, yeah, both of you, both sides. Um, 
This is the Full Life Study Bible, Fire Bible Study Notes. I wanted to do this just to give you an idea of, of where I'm coming from with some of these things as well, and hopefully just to put in you a little, little desire, I guess, for, for some good biblical interpretation as well. Um, but basically, uh, six things, you know, what are six things God will do? There will be an atonement for wickedness, an end to sin, transgressions will be, will be uh, uh, fi- uh, finished, a rule of everlasting righteousness, a prophecy will be fulfilled and completed, and uh, Jesus will be anointed as king. So six things that will happen with that. Uh, keep your focus on this chart, because the chart on the bottom of the handout uh, really helps us, I think, to understand the 77. So first of all, what is the message of Daniel's 70 weeks or sevens? Basically, it comes from uh, Daniel chapter 9, 24 through 27. And I just read to you, it's also on your handout, the six things I think it is that God's going to do. Is that, where is that one at? Right here? Yeah. All right. Yes, it is, and on the, on the, it's on the handout there, so I'm not going to read those to you again. Um, B, how many years are in Daniel's sevens? The 70 weeks are 70 weeks of years. That is, each week is seven or contains seven years. So each week contains seven years, not seven days. Thus, the total period is 70 uh, weeks times 70 years, which is the total time is 490 years. Key, key. Uh, this becomes clear as we study the 70th week. Uh, we'll get into more of this when we come to Revelation chapter 13, but tonight, tonight I'm just going to kind of give you the, the outline of it. Uh, so more is coming in Revelation 13 on the 77s, so 70 weeks. And so how many years are in Daniel's 77s? Uh, how many years total? 490 years. Uh, C, what is the focus of Daniel's 77s? Uh, the 70 weeks focus on the future of Daniel's people and, and city. See, God gave him a message of the 70 weeks for a purpose. By the end of the 70-week period, God would do six different things for the Jews. Those things are listed on what I just gave you. All right, I also read them to you. Uh, the six things. Note that at least some of the th- six things are still in the future. For example, God has not put an end to sin yet. There is still sin in the world, so we know this has not been fulfilled yet. Are you with me? So, uh, C. D. What are the three periods of Daniel's sevens? You can see this up there in the chart or on your papers, the same thing. I just took a picture of it all on my phone. But basically, the first, the first period is this. The, seven, the 77s are divided into three parts. The first period is sevens, is seven sevens, which is 49 years. You see that at the beginning of the chart. I wish I had a pointer I could point up to you. But you see that on the left, on the left side. And so that's the first period. It's uh, 49 years. Um, we are, we are not sure about exact dates. The Bible teaches, our Bible teachers, commentaries have different opinions. I've read them today. Uh, but there are three decrees by Persian kings to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. But Daniel's 70 weeks probably began when Ezra returned to rebuild Jerusalem in 457 B.C., also on the chart as well as in the handout that I gave you. Uh, during these 49 years, 
Ezra and Nehemiah led the Jews to rebuild the city temple and walls. The 49 years end about the time of Malachi, which is the last book in our Bible. So keeping that in mind. And, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, Mom, because she's taught this and taught this and taught this. All right? It's from what I've been studying. But number two, so the first period is the 49 years left of the chart. The second period is 62 sevens. Now added together, the first and the second periods, 49 years plus 434 years equals 483 years. Uh, once again, see the chart. Daniel said it would be 69 weeks from the decree to rebuild and until the coming of the Messiah. Now, the 69 weeks probably ended as Jesus began his public ministry. That's what most theologians will tell us. As Daniel 9.26 says, after the 62 weeks, the Messiah's life was cut off. So the second period, we have 62 weeks, 62 sevens, and so we have 49 plus 434 equals 483. All right, so you with me so far? Um, the third and final period of the 77s is the 70th week. Now, this period of seven years is the tribulation period. Did you catch that? The final week is the tribulation period, seven years. Then after the Antichrist rules the world, he makes a covenant with Israel as this seven-year period begins. Okay? And then um, after three and a half years, he's, he breaks the covenant in the middle of the week. Uh, after three and a half years, thus Daniel divides the tribulation in two halves. So the second half of the tribulation begins as the Antichrist breaks his covenant with Israel. He stops their sacrifices in the temple and he sets up an abomination that is a thing that God hates. Uh, the last three and a half years then of the tribulation will be, will be the worst years ever on earth. Many refer to these 1,260 days as the Great Tribulation. So think of the seven years is the tribulation. The last, the 70th week is the tribulation. The first half, he comes in as a man of peace. You know, peace, peace when there is no peace. Breaks covenant with Israel. Last three and a half years of the seven is the Great Tribulation. When literally all hell breaks loose. Okay? And, and we're going to talk about that with the seals starting tonight. Um, and so the last three and a half years, uh, may re, these are the 1,260 days uh, known as the Great Tribulation. Now, we believe that God will rapture the church just before the 70th week. We talked about that several lessons ago. Um, consider the following insights. Three and a half years is 42 months, which is 1,260 days. We read about that in Revelation 11, 12, and 13. Notice that 1,260 is the total that results from multiplying 42 months times 30 days per month, using that, using that as the scale of, what a, what, of, a, of a time period. Um, a time, then it goes a time plus times and half a time. A time is a year. Uh, times is two years, and half a time is half a year. And so that is three and a half years. Are you with me? All right, I'm not trying to go too fast, I'm hoping. But a time means one year in Daniel 7, 25, as well as Revelation 12, verse 14. 
And so three time periods on your chart, once again, seven weeks, 49 years, 62 weeks, 434 years. There's the end of the 69 week. That's when Jesus begins his earthly ministry. We'll talk about the gap next in, our, in two points here, but, but we're going to talk about that present church age as well and then the beginning of the 70th week. So, E, how many rulers does Daniel 9, 27 through, or 24, 27 mention? This passage mentions three different rulers. The first ruler is the Messiah. He comes at the end of the 69 weeks, Daniel 9, 25. The second ruler is Titus. He came in A.D. 70. This was the period between, that in-between period, that gap time between the 69th and 70th weeks. Uh, you recall that Titus destroyed Jerusalem in the temple, Daniel 9, 26. So we have the first ruler, Messiah, second ruler, Titus. The third ruler is then going to be the Antichrist. He will come to Israel for the final week, the tribulation, uh, the seven-year covenant he makes with Israel marks the beginning of the 70th week. Now, we're on to point number F. Did Daniel see the gap between the 69th and 70th week? Uh, the gap between the 69th and the 70th week includes most of the church age. Keep in mind, as we read this, that the prophets of old did not see the gap between the first and second comings of Christ. In other words, like, likewise, Daniel probably did not see the gap between the 69th and the 70th week. Like earlier prophets, he did not see the gap between the Messiah's first and second coming. During this gap, as I just said, Titus came in AD 70. He was the second ruler, and Daniel said he would come. He destroyed the city of Jerusalem and its temple, Daniel 9, 26. At the end of the gap, the Antichrist will make a seven-year treaty with Israel. This treaty of the Antichrist marks the beginning, as we've said, of the tribulation, which is the beginning then of Daniel's 70th week, the seven years of tribulation. All right? Um, that's, that's just a brief overview. Any questions there? Did I confuse you more? Hopefully not. Does this make more sense to you, looking at the visual? I'm a visual kind of a guy. I'm a visual learner. I like the charts. I like things like this because I told Jill Dryden, it's like, I finally see it. I finally, I finally understand that what this is about now. Even though I've been taught it, I sat underneath your teaching. I remember I've read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. But it's like, okay, now I, it makes sense to me. Hopefully, that light turns on in your mind, too. If it doesn't, keep on reading it. Go back to the, what I'm recording right now and listen to this again. It'll be online tomorrow or Friday, whatever. But all, all these messages so far in Revelation, this is the 19th lesson, they have all been online. Now, the negative of that is when you only listen online, you don't get to see the chart on the bottom of the page. Uh, if you come on Sunday morning, this stand will be back there, or not this stand, um, the handout stands back there, and you can just go up and get the copies like some of you have been doing, not, not a problem with that. So, that all being said, let's move on to the seals, and with that, I want to read out loud and follow along in your Bible. I want to read Revelation chapter 6. Keep in mind, last week, the scroll, Christ, the lamb that had been slain, ten horns, ten eyes, the seven spirits of God, or seven horns, seven eyes, and seven spirits of God. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. 
I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Verse 3, When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. Verse 5, When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the, four living, of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death. And Hades was following close behind him. Now, we're not told if Hades, hell, is a fifth horse or not. Possibility. But it was, you know, uh, death and, and hell were, were right there. Uh, they were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by, by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, we're not going to cover that tonight, but I'll, re- I'll finish reading it. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? <clears throat> Let's tonight talk about the seals. We'll, we'll look at the fourth, the four seals. Keep in mind, this is the the first four, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, we have keep in mind seven seals. Seventh seal leads into the seven trumpets. Seventh trumpet leads into the seven vials or bowls. And so we have seven seals, seven trumpets, seven seven bowls. Uh, But John introduces these seals in this chapter, and we're going to look at the, as I said, the first four tonight, time permitting. But notice it is the Lamb 
It is the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who breaks open the seals, which reminds us that God is in control. Always keep in mind, as we go through the events we're going to go through in the tribulation, that God is in control. All right? And so... um, uh, God and the Lamb have numbered the plagues in the days of the Antichrist. It's interesting to compare Matthew 24 and Revelation chapter 6. The order and content of the first six seals is very close to Matthew 24 as well as Luke 21, for example. If you'd read the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, he talks about false Christ. Uh, Revelation 6, we have false Christ on a white horse. Uh, Matthew 24, 6 and 7, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. In Revelation 6, 3 and 4, there's war on the red horse. And in uh, Matthew 24, verse 7, famines and earthquakes. Uh, We have famine on the black horse in Revelation 6. Matthew 24, martyrs and persecution. In Revelation 6, martyrs under the altar. And then finally we have uh, Matthew 24, 14, 29, and 30. Signs in heaven and earth as Jesus returns to judge sinners. And as well in Revelation 6, 12 through 17. Signs in heaven and earth as Jesus returns to judge sinners. So we see similarities between then Matthew 24 as we do then in Revelation chapter 6. Jesus predicted false Christ, wars, famine, death, and persecution. The earth has had these problems since the time of Christ and will continue to have these problems until he returns. And so John shows us, though, that these will continue on in the seven-year tribulation period, the 70th week. In part of the tribulation, though, they will be more severe than ever before. The earthquake that we've witnessed in Turkey and Syria is nothing compared to what's coming. All right? It's nothing compared to what's coming. And I'm not, dimin- I'm not diminishing the death total of 11,000 people, but as we're going to see, one-fourth one of the population is going to die. How many are now all living on planet Earth? Can anybody tell me? About how many billion people? About 8 billion people now. Keeping that in mind, about 2 billion people will be dying. Think about that. And that's just the first, that's just the first round, if you will, <laughs> of judgments. All right. And so uh, keep that in mind. Uh, the seven seals speak of terrible forces in the tribulation period. Uh, we're going to look at the first four seals, as I said. Once again, I'm emphasizing that, that John emphasized that Jesus Christ is the one who opens the seals. Uh, but each of the four living creatures shows John one of the first four seals. The voice of the first living creature is like thunder. Well, when it thunders out, what does that tell you? A storm's coming. All right? Do the tie-in there. Uh, at first, his voice is like thunder. A great storm is coming to the earth. The storm begins as the first horse and rider appear. So, going back to Revelation chapter 6, verse 2, I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. It was common in biblical times for a conqueror to ride a white horse. But, as I've studied this, a lot of teachers differ what that represents. 
Some even said it represents Christ. I do not believe that, and I'm going to show you why I don't believe that. And I was like, I should just put that commentary back in my other office because I don't want it on my desk if it's going to tell me that, you know. But uh, anyway, um, here are at least seven reasons. This is in the back of your page, I think it is. Yeah, uh, no, not seven reasons, three reasons. No, going back, there are at least seven reasons why we believe the writer was not Jesus. First of all, this is not on your, this is not on your outline. Seven reasons why we believe the rider on the white horse is not Jesus. Number one, location. Jesus is where? He's in heaven opening the seals, not riding a horse on earth. Number one, location. Number two, timing. Jesus does not ride forth to conquer until the end of the tribulation. This rider is at the beginning of the seven years of tribulation. Number two is location or timing. Number three is description. There is not enough said about the writer. If it were Jesus, it seems that John would have made it very plain. When John does introduce Christ on a white horse in Revelation chapter 19, he uses six verses very, very descriptive of who Christ is. And I can't wait when he's leading the charge and we're riding horses behind them. Amen? So if you don't know how to ride a horse, evidently you'll learn. All right? You'll be riding a horse. Um, anyway, uh, but Revelation 19, 11 through 16, cross-reference. Uh, John uses six verses to describe in detail uh, Christ as victor. If the writer in chapter 6 were Jesus, I think John would have told us. And it doesn't fit in the description. Fourth is crown. Fourth reason. The writer was given a crown, a Stephanos crown in the Greek. The Greek language teaches us about two kinds of crowns in the New Testament. And during those times, there was a victor's crown, a Stephanos crown, and then there was a ruler's crown or a diadem crown. Uh, people made a Stephanos crown by weaving branches together. Uh, athletes who won a race received a Stephanus crown made of olive branches. The soldiers, you recall, mocked Jesus by weaving thorn branches together for a Stephanus crown. Uh, believers will wear a Stephanus crown, but it's probably going to be made of gold. Uh, this will be a symbol that we have won the race. Uh, but when Jesus returns, he'll be wearing many diadem crowns. Revelation 19, verse 12, different Greek word. Uh, so these crowns, these are the crowns that rulers wear. And so the writer is given a Stephanus crown, not a ruler's crown at this point. Number five is weapon. The writer is carrying a bow. Jesus doesn't need a bow. He conquers with the word of God. It flashes from his mouth like a double-edged sword. Read Revelation 19, 11 through 16 once again. And so the weapon, and then number six is followers. Six reason, followers. Those who ride behind, or those behind the rider on the white horse are war, famine, and death. Think about that. That's not the company that Jesus is keeping here. All right? Um, when he returns, he'll be, re he'll be riding with the armies of heaven, Revelation 19, verse 14. So followers. And then the seventh reason is enabling. The rider was given power and a crown. You know something? Jesus already has these. So enabling, he already has these. And so for the seven reasons above, uh, we conclude that the rider is not Jesus Christ. 
the rider on the white horse in Revelation 6-2 goes forth to conquer. Most Bible scholars believe this to be the Antichrist. He is the main, pers our main person conquering during the tribulation. Recall that the Antichrist makes a treaty with Israel at the beginning of Daniel's 70th week, Daniel 9.27. This means he must already have some authority as the tribulation begins. After he conquers, at the end, Revelation 12 and 13, he exchanges his Stephanos crown for a ruler's crown. All right, we call this evil ruler the Antichrist because he is against Christ. He is a false Christ that leads people astray and deceives them. Now, part of the Antichrist strategy is to imitate the true Christ. Now, let me give you some comparisons between the true Christ and the anti, the false Christ. First of all, for Jesus Christ, his public ministry was three and a half years. The Antichrist will rule the world for three and a half years. Secondly, Jesus did miracles, wonders, and signs. The Antichrist will do signs and lying wonders. We'll get into all that, okay? Thirdly, Jesus was wounded for our sins, Isaiah 53, verse 5. Uh, the Antichrist will be healed from a deadly wound, Revelation 13, 12. Fourthly, Jesus is known for godliness and holiness. The Antichrist is a man of sin and lawlessness. Number five, Jesus was a man filled with the Spirit of God. The Antichrist is a man filled with the devil. Six, Jesus was first condemned in Jerusalem, but will soon be glorified there. Antichrist will first be glorified in Jerusalem, but later condemned there. Hallelujah. And then seven, Jesus Christ rides a white horse, Revelation 19. The Antichrist rides a white horse, Revelation chapter 6. So you're seeing the similarities, comparisons there, as well as differences. You see, Revelation 13, 8 says that none, or that, excuse me, that most of the world will follow the Antichrist. Now, why will they follow the Antichrist versus the real Christ? There are at least three reasons on your paper. Number one, the Antichrist will deceive people because they do not love the truth. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, Thessalonians 2.9, and signs and wonders, verse 10, 2 Thessalonians 2.10. And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so they will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. I don't know about you, but I've wondered over the years, you know, why, why do people choose to uh, believe lies instead of truth. When it comes down to it, they don't believe the truth of who Christ is because they don't want to submit to His rule and reign in their hearts. They don't want Him to be their Lord. They want to be their own Lord. They want to call the shots. Are you with me? 
And that's, that's it. You know, people today don't want Christ to rule over their life. They prefer the pleasures of sin rather than the demands of holy living. Therefore, they exchange, as Paul says to the church in Rome, they exchange the truth for a lie. And you wonder why so many people are deceived living in sin today is right here. They don't want Jesus as Lord. And again, why would people who in their right thinking, why would they... Why would they choose to be on the losing team? And this is not just for a Super Bowl Sunday game. This is for eternity, forever and ever and ever. And I want to say, world, wake up. Wake up. All right? Number one. Number two, I guess here's the warning to us. Number one, we should submit and obey what we know is true. Otherwise, if we, if we fail here and now to submit and obey him, we will be open to believing lies. We open ourselves up to deception, all right? Uh, think about the people in cults today. Many used to be in a church, but they refused to walk in truth, so their hearts became darkened. If they reject the truth, God will abandon us to lust and lies, number one. Number two, the Antichrist will deceive people because they follow signs instead of the Scriptures. They follow signs instead of the Scriptures. Now, on one hand, God has given signs to follow them that believe. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Signs following believers is good, it's right, it's affirmed in the Bible. But we don't look to signs. You enter into uh, deception if you begin to chase after signs and follow after signs. So on one hand, yeah, they're to continue spiritual gifts, healing and whatever, miracles, ought to continue until Christ returns. Signs confirm the truth. As, as we follow the truth, we're going to see signs. But it's wrong to follow signs. Jesus said that evil people seek signs, Matthew 16, verse 4. Now, God's plan is to use signs in a good way, yes, to confirm truth. But Satan always tries to use good things in a bad way. In other words, the scriptures are good, but Satan tried to use the scriptures to mess with Jesus. It is written. It is written. Satan's quoting the word three times. But Jesus came back with the word saying, hey, buddy, you know, this is what it really says. So, uh, but Satan knows the word, and he uses something good in a bad way. Uh, we have Revelation 13, 13 and 14. It says, And he performed great, great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to, in full view of men. Uh, because of the signs he was given power to do in, on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And then 2 Thessalonians 2.9, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. 2 Thessalonians 2.9. You see, signs make a good witness, but a poor leader. Those who follow truth will see signs, but those who follow signs will follow Satan. Number two. Number three, the Antichrist will deceive people because they do not know the true Christ. John 10, uh, 4 and 5. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. 
Jesus also said in John 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so those who follow the true Christ will never follow the false Christ. These two leaders lead people in opposite directions. One leads people to holiness in heaven. The other leads people to sin and hell. The best way to avoid following the Antichrist is to follow the true Christ, period. No man can serve two masters. If we love the one, we will despise the other. And so that leads us then through the first rider or the first horse, that being the white horse, that being the Antichrist. He is never called, uh, he doesn't call himself the Antichrist. He's a man of lawlessness. Um, we'll get into more about this as we go through this. But uh, all I'm saying is, is the first horse, the, the white horse is that. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right there because of time, and I'll pick this up where we left off next week talking about the second, third, and fourth seal, the other horses being the fire red horse. Think of the colors here, white. You think of a white horse. You think of a peace, a treaty, a peace agreement. The Antichrist comes in that way. The red horse, war, blood, bloodshed. The black horse, famine. I mean, you think inflation's bad now? Seriously. If you think inflation's bad now and, and, and prices are high now, I mean, a whole day's wage for one meal. That's just for yourself. That's not feeding your family. And so what you used to make to feed your family is barely going to feed you, and now you've got to divide it up four or five ways if you have that being your family. I mean, think about what's going to happen and the, and the shortages and the rationing and, and whatnot. And what about the wine and the oil? The rich have that. And so that also tells us that it won't be equal with all people. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that more next week. But anyway, so we have the white horse, peace, the Antichrist, the, the red horse, fiery horse, war, and then we have the black horse, which is famine, and then we have the, the pale horse, and you think of dead corpses, you think of bodies dying and whatever, and, and the death and destruction that will be here. Um, I'm going to end right there. Any questions? Do you understand Daniel's 77s a little bit better? Hopefully. If you don't, um, oh, I have another handout for you. One more, guys. I get talking here. These are the Fire Bible notes uh, for Revelation chapter 6, the entire chapter. Just the notes, not the scriptures. You have the scriptures. But you can read along the notes, and I'm not going to do this for you every week. I'm just kind of giving this to you so you can understand what the Fire Bible has as, as far as the references, the studies. A lot of what I've said tonight uh, comes in alignment with what you're going to read on that piece of paper as well. Um, next week we'll pick up then with the uh, second, third, and fourth seal, fifth seal, uh, sixth seal as well. We'll continue on in that. Uh, I put a, a thing on Facebook. Then we get to the seventh seal, and it says in Revelation 8, verse 1, that there will be a silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And it's a joke of what I put on there. Does this mean that men will get to heaven before women? No, it doesn't. It's a joke. It's all good. But it simply means that once these things start to take place, even heaven, which was filled with praise, with songs, with worship, even heaven is going to go, whoa, this is, this is for real. This is, this is going to get serious now. And so... 
to, to get all of heaven and all the angels and cherubim and etc. all quiet to see what's going to happen. And it's also my belief, and that we'll get into next week, I'm talking, 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 but this is good stuff, um, that when we go through the first four seals, the four, the four horsemen that we see, um, I believe that these things don't, like he opens the first seal, then that happens. No, it happens with, throughout the period of seven years, the last three and a half being the worst. In other words, what happens when there's war? There's death, there's bloodshed, there's famine, there's scarcity, the sun's shining on you. If, you don't have, if your home's been blown up in a war, you have no place to rest your head. You're going to be exposed to the elements. So all that is in there, and, and, and so we'll, we'll talk more about this next week. God bless you. I'm done. All right.